today, which is, you know, that we have, you know, the church is, is all over the world. Um, there were many great um, accomplishments that were done by the church, uh, which unfortunately, um, you know, were destroyed. Like, and actually, what we're going to talk about today is this the- theological school of Alexandria. This school had an immense library of very unique books, um, religious books and otherwise that were from all over the world. Um, and then much later on, hundreds of years after this school was established, uh, after the Islamic uh, um, conquest of Egypt, um, they burned this library. And they took the manuscripts and the books from this library and used it as, uh, as to burn to heat the water of the bathhouses in Egypt. So you see how there is so much like rich heritage um, that actually even was lost, uh, y- you know, from, from this period of time. So it's important for us to, to study it, to understand it, to know, um, you know, kind of the history of how everything came to be. So as we mentioned before, there was, at the time when St. Mark came to Egypt, there was already a school, the School of Alexandria. It was a secular school. It was like a center of philosophy education um, and had been established by one of the kings of Egypt, Ptolemy Soter, in 323 B.C. and continued um, to attract Greek philosophers and so on. And it was during this era, and we mentioned this um, in detail last, last week, um, that the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, um, was written according to his decree of the 70 Jewish rabbis. Again, this is how we have the Greek version of the Old Testament uh, in addition to the original Hebrew version. Okay? And this Septuagint version of the Old Testament, um, because the original had been uh, the, 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 the tradition of how to interpret it, um, the original Hebrew text had been lost, um, so this Greek Old Testament is actually the most accurate of the Old Testament manuscripts that we have, the, the translations that we have. Um, we also spoke about how all of the English versions of the Bible, of the Old Testament that we have, is actually not based on the Septuagint, but based on a reconstruction of the original Hebrew based on the work of a group of people called the Masoretes, and this was done around the 9th or 10th century uh, A.D., so, so what we have in the English Bible today, all of the Protestant versions of the translations of the Bible, like New King James, New International Version, all these, um, even though they're widely used and we use them, um, but actually the Septuagint version is actually more accurate um, than, than those. So what was the motivation for this Septuagint version to be commissioned is this king of Egypt wanting to spread the Greek influence, and so he desired to translate the Hebrew scriptures to Greek, right? He was very eager for the Hellenic knowledge, believing in its ability to convert the Egyptian culture into Greek. So Greeks were very proud of their heritage. Egyptians are also very proud of their heritage, and so the Greeks wanted to convert the, uh, the Egyptian culture to be of Greek culture. So one of the ways to do that was to convert the Hebrew scriptures um, into the Greek language. The ancient Egyptians rejected the Greek culture because they were also very proud of their language, their culture, civilization, and so on. Um, The the Coptic language, for instance, um, you know, here in our church, we don't use the Coptic language. The Coptic language was the original language that was spoken of, spoken by the Egyptians. And it was, it's it's a derivative of the original language that was spoken by the pharaohs and the ancient Egyptians. So they took the 
kind of the, 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 the spoken language of the ancient Egyptians and wrote it in Greek letters, and that ended up becoming a version of that became the Coptic language. And so at the time when St. Mark came to Egypt, this is what the people were speaking. Okay, they were speaking this ancient Egyptian language written in Greek letters, so it looks very much like Greek. Um, and so they were very proud of their culture as well. Okay, and up until today, we preserve the Coptic language. The entire Bible, we have a Coptic version of the Bible. We have many very ancient documents that are written in Coptic. So even though, you know, for cultural reasons here in the West, you know, our church, for instance, we don't use the Coptic language to pray in for so we can understand the prayer. But that doesn't mean that the Coptic language is not useful. It doesn't mean that we've abandoned the Coptic language. The Coptic language has many of the documents that describe the faith and describe kind of the, the original prayers. Whenever we decide, like, what is the English translations that we have on the screen when we pray the liturgy, the original versions of these were written in Coptic, uh, many of them, Coptic and Greek. So, so we, we, we base everything off the Coptic versions, but then we present it in a way that we can understand um, in English. Um, Jewish teachings had a great influence on the Egyptians because of the presence of many Jewish rabbis and philosophers like Philo um, of Alexandria. Alexandria had a famous school called the Museum that would be considered as a modern-day university and had famous teachers of science and philosophy. Its huge library contained between 200 and 500,000 books and manuscripts in the days of Ptolemy I. Okay, so this was this uh, original school of Alexandria, um, the secular one. Different teachings and cultures were mixed Alexandria, the Egyptian, the Hellenic, the Jewish, and some Eastern civilizations. In such an environment, there was no other alternative but to establish a Christian institution center to enable the church to face the battle fought by these powerful scholars. So again, when St. Mark came to Egypt and he found all of these different influences, all of these different cultures, all of these different languages, how is it that he is going to make an effort to try to convert these people to Christianity from paganism, um, he, he did so by, by creating an, a, a parallel school um, similar to the one that was there, but its entire focus was on Christian learning, right? Christian education. With, with the same philosophy of, of like rigorous academic study um, to attract the people who are already living in Egypt. All of these people who are living there who were, were, were successful and thriving in this secular school, he wanted to have the same opportunity for them, for people who wanted to go to what's called the catechetical school. The catechetical school of Alexandria because it's based on catechism. Catechism is teaching someone who is outside of the Orthodox faith to teach them the faith. This is a catechism. So the purpose of this school was teaching the faith. Okay. So St. Mark, he established this school in the first century, 68 AD. Remember we said that St. Mark first came to Egypt in 43 AD. So this is... Um, 25 years after he came to Egypt. The aim of the school was to teach and explain the Christian faith, to be a counterpart to the philosophical school, the secular school, which was the center of the contemporary idolatry cultures and philosophies of the time, such as Gnosticism. Gnosticism was a very popular philosophy that existed at the time, at the time of Christ. And the Gnostics, um, it comes, the, word, the word Gnosticism comes from the word gnosis. Gnosis is the Greek word for knowledge. These Gnostics believe they have like some secret special knowledge uh, about reality, about the faith um, that only they possessed. 
and they 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 took like the 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 well understood and accepted stories of Christianity and they flipped them. So for instance, they said that Judas actually was a savior. Judas was actually the one who was sent by God and not Jesus. Okay? They believed things like that the physical body, any material, is actually evil, right? Which of course we don't believe. We believe that God created both the body and the spirit together and he God created them to be good. The body became corrupted through the fall of man, but God created the material world intended for it to be good. Right? They they did not believe so. So they had their own philosophy, and, and this was a popular philosophy um, at the time. So St. Mark, he appointed Justice the Erudite to be responsible for the school. And we will see how um, the school became a central part of Christianity in Egypt. Many of the most prominent figures of the Christian life in Egypt became deans of the school, and many, many of the deans ended becoming the popes of the Coptic Church. Right. So this was a means by which like people would learn about the faith and not just learn about the faith, but gain um, authority in the church because of their interest in, in growing in the faith. So it's considered the first school to teach theology, biblical studies and interpretation. Many of its students sought knowledge beside the catechumens and the new believers. Christianity was studied in the form of knowledge, wisdom, and research. St. Jerome stated that St. Mark was inspired by the Holy Spirit to establish the school of Alexandria. It was a big deal at the time that this school was established. The school was open for all people, regardless of their religion, nationality, or gender, and regardless of age, culture, edu or education. So one of the important things at the time is, is the fact that it was open to so many groups, which was not typical right at the time the fact that you have an institute that allows both jews and gentiles because typically jews and gentiles did not intermingle but here you have an institute that allows both jews and gentiles you also have a school that allows both men and women and again at the time it was seen that women were typically not educated but this school allowed for women to, to join and be educated and so it didn't matter what country you were from or who you were or what gender you were and then anyone was permitted to come into this school and to learn it became a center for Christian education by teaching the Holy Bible and doctrine in addition to philosophy, logic, medicine, engineering, math, physics, astronomy, and music. So it was not only for teaching religion. It was not only for the Christian faith. It taught everything, right? So someone could enter to this school and graduate from the school with a full education. So they would fully understand all the sciences of the time as well as the Christian faith. The reputation of its teachers was spread east and west, and their works were translated into different languages, such as Latin and Syrian. This enriched the Christians with the religious knowledge and encouraged them to study and to search. And this became a very important foundation of Christianity. Christianity was not just about how I feel, right? Unfortunately, today, a lot of people in various churches, when they speak about what is Christianity, they focus a lot about on how Christianity makes me feel. Christianity makes me feel good. You know, Christianity makes me feel loved. Christianity makes me feel forgiven. Christianity makes me feel accepted. And maybe that's true, okay? But that's not a measure of truth. Like the me a measure of truth, whether something is true, has nothing to do with how I feel. There are plenty of wicked things in the world that might feel good. Just because they feel good doesn't make them true or doesn't make them good. Here the focus was to show logically, academically, you know, comprehensively, this, the, the, the reason and the, 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 the kind of the logic behind the existence of God. 
and who God is and history and showing all the things that prove, and I don't want to use the word prove in the sense of like a scientific proof because there is no like scientific proof of God, but to show all of the evidence that is pointing to the existence of God and why we believe what we believe and so on. So it was, it, it approached the faith in a way of how can we show to even to people who are non-Christian and Jews and Gentiles alike, how can we show them the truth, right? How can we show them from the scripture the truth? How can we show the prophecies of truth? How can we show even from just the natural law, just from ob observing nature around us, the existence um, of God? So this school had a great influence on satisfying the needs of Alexandrian Christians to learn, preach, and defend their faith, which of course was very important because you know, when St. Mark came to Egypt, he is, he is preaching to uh, a completely different culture, speaking a different language, uh, and um, they, they had never been exposed to the Christian faith before. So having a school dedicated for teaching the Christian faith was very important, lest the, 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 the Egyptians and the others who were living in Egypt try to mix uh, elements of their own religions with Christianity. And this is another problem, right? And, and this is a problem today. Many people today, let's say, okay, there are certain parts of Christianity that I like, so I'm going to take those. And then there are certain parts of Buddhism that I like too, so I'm going to take part of that. And there are certain parts of um, whatever other religions, okay, and even atheism that I like. So I'm going to take all of these things and I'm going to mix them up and I'm going to say this is my faith, which is a mixture of all of these things. What what is the, you know, what are, what is the goal here, right? Is the goal here to say I'm comfortable with this unique mixture, and so this is what I declare to be true because it makes me comfortable? If we are talking about truth, then objective truth, then we're talking about what actually exists. Like in 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 Christianity, when we say we believe in one God, God the Father, the Pantocrator. And we believe that God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if we say this, we are not saying it makes me comfortable to believe that there is one God and that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No, we are saying there is objective truth that there really is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he really did create us. And we really are his children. It's truth. It's objective reality. It's not just thoughts. It's not just feelings. It's not just what I would like to be true. So if you look at religion different religions as statements of objective truth. The Christianity proposes that there are certain things that are objectively true. Buddhism proposes that there are certain things that are objectively true. Although Buddhism is more of like a philosophy than a religion. Different religions all claim to describe objective truth differently, right? That are in contradiction to one another. So you cannot have all of them be true right? Either you accept one system or you don't, right? Like each one of these systems is claiming divine revelation, right? Like div divinity, like there's divine revelation that has revealed that this is true, whatever system this is. So either I believe that this is truly a divine revelation, and if it is, if it is a divine revelation, I accept it completely from beginning to end as the truth. Or if it is full of errors and mistakes, then I have to reject the whole thing, because then it cannot be divine revelation. Because if it's divine revelation, it cannot be filled with errors. So even the, the approach to what is religion, 
Religion is not something that is helpful. Religion is not something that makes me feel good about myself. Religion is a statement of truth, that something is true. And once I believe that something is true, then I, what is my role is to conform myself to the truth. I conform myself to the system. Because if I really believe this is the true system, this is the true way, then for me to live away from it, for me to live contrary to it, not in conformance to it, is foolish, right? It's like if I, if, if I believe here in the United States that we drive on the right side of the road, if I believe this is true, then I must drive on the right side of the road. If I drive on the left side of the road, I'll get into an accident. If I live contrary to the truth, then my life will be a failure. Whether it be this life or the next life, it will be a failure, right? Because I'm contrary to the truth. So the idea here is teaching the truth. And then once we know the truth, we conform our life to the truth. And this was the way that Christian education was done. In Christian education is about learning the truth and then living according to that truth, not picking and choosing the things that I want. And actually the word heresy literally means pick and choose. That's what the word heresy means. So anything when we, we decide to decide to pick and choose things, this is when we fall into this trap. So this school graduated many of the most famous church leaders who later became patriarchs, as I said, of the Sea of St. Mark, attracted many converts, whether from Egypt or abroad, attracted many students from different countries who later became leaders and bishops in their own countries. It emphasized the importance of systematic education as the main method of, for religious teaching, used philosophy as a tool for convincing the philosophical pagans. So as St. Paul, when he was speaking to the Greeks in Athens, he spoke to them from a perspective of philosophy because this is the way the Greeks thought, right? And even St. Paul said about himself, to the Greek, I became a Greek, and to the Jew, I became a Jew. I became whatever it is that was needed for me to preach the, the true message of Christ to whatever group I was preaching. And he was so successful because he did this. Right? He thought of what is it that the group needed, and whatever that group needed, that is what he offered them. He spoke about the truth, but in a way that was understandable to the group. And that was what this school is trying to do. Right? It is, it is, this is, school is in a country that is filled with philosophy, so we have to approach this faith from a philosophical perspective. It purified the Greek philosophy in conformity with the Christian thought, and despite the spiritual intellectual effort of the School of Alexandria, it did not interfere with politics. It stayed out of politics. It's focused its main mission on how do we teach people the faith. Alexandria, through its school, teachers and students became a center of Christianity for five centuries. Okay? Beside the school curricula, it taught spiritual matters such as fasting, praying, sharing one's possessions, asceticism, purity, and chastity, which all goes to, again, our conformity to the truth, right? We teach that what is the truth, and then what is my response to it, right? Asceticism, prayer, um, tithing, sharing, you know, purity. All of these are our response to the discovery of the truth in God, right, is, is, is what is our role. There was a famous um, philosopher and historian whose name was Philo, Philo of Alexandria, and he says the following. He says, they were all ascetics. Speaking about the, the, the school, they were all ascetics, uninterested in the world with all its worthless wrecks, and they cared only about God. They were united in pure love, enjoying the peace of the heavenly spirits. Among them, there was no rich and poor, 
For the rich gave their money to the poor, so that each of them would think of what makes one rich in God. Some of them fasted three or five days running, and their food and drink was only bread and water. What made these people so successful in the school is because they did not treat it simply as an academic course. You know, you have in, in modern day, you have many universities where religion courses, like Christian religion courses, are taught by atheists, right? It's, it's taught just as, as a historical record of events that Christians um, claim or Christians believe in, right? It is not taught with a sense of submission, with a spirituality. It's not taught to, to and often in many cases, it's not taught with obedience to, to Christ. It's taught almost in a mocking way, right? Which is why many people that attend um, universities and take religion courses and Christian courses will find they're very irreverent um, when it comes to teaching about God. This, of course, here was not the case. These people that attended this, they were not interested in just understanding the Christian history or understanding the facts of the faith, but they wanted to live this faith, and they lived it with, with a fullness and a richness and a depth. And that is what allowed them not just to understand the doctrines of the church, but to grow and to become like um, stars in the church, to become very prominent figures in the church and patriarchs and bishops and priests be because they, they lived this and they had a passion to share this with other people. Here are some famous characters that we hear their names often. Clement of Alexandria, Origen, Heracles, we spoke about him last time. Dionysus also, Didymus the Blind. Some names that you'll find, like that you'll hear um, whenever you're, you're, you're reading about like history in the church. Um, just some members of people who attended the school. Um, many of them became deans. Um, others were ordained priests. Um, and also, many of them became patriarchs. Like, uh, actually, today is the feast day of Saint Athanasius the Apostolic. He was one of the um, patriarchs that was originally attending the school. Um, Saint Cyril the Great, we call him the pillar of the faith, Pope Dioscoros. All of these famous characters in the Coptic history, they were at one point in time uh, either attending the school, some of them were deans um, at the school. After the, the time of Didymus the Blind, um, the school kind of faded in its prominence. And as I said, um, eventually um, it, 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 it kind of, the, the school and the library and um, like, like it, it didn't, it, it was not prominent anymore in the society and the culture um, and kind of its greatest days were over. The great schism of the Council of Chalcedon in 451 caused a terminal blow to the greatest school of theology, science and intellect. So the, if you remember the Council of Chalcedon, the Council of Chalcedon is the fourth council. Remember we, we said there's three, there's, so okay, so what is an ecumenical council? Ecumenical council is when all of the bishops in the world come together for a meeting to discuss some theological matters, okay? So there was three ecumenical councils, okay, that happened. The fourth council, happened in Chalcedon in 451 AD, and this was um, a period of time where there was a schism that happened in the church. Um, some people subscribe to a certain theory of how to describe the nature of Christ. Others subscribe to a different theory of how to, subscribe to, uh, to, to describe the nature of Christ, and there became a schism. And the, the Coptic Church, which is now a member of the family that we call the Oriental Orthodox Church, 
um, which includes the Ethiopian Orthodox, Eritrean Orthodox, Armenian, Syrian Orthodox, um, to name some. The, this family was on one side of this argument. And the Eastern Orthodox, so we call them now Eastern Orthodox, um, which include like the Russian, the Greek, the Romanian, the Serbian, Ukrainian, um, this other branch um, be became what we call the Eastern Orthodox. They were on the other side of this argument. And so when there became a schism in the church, the prominence of this library, which was part of, in e which is in Egypt, and now Egypt was considered Oriental Orthodox, not accepted by um, some of the or other Orthodox branches, it kind of the school lost its its prominence. The emperor closed the school, because the emperor was Eastern Orthodox, the emperor closed the school as an avenue of persecution against the cops. And so one of the sources of persecution, there were many, many sources, the Romans were a source of persecution for the cops. The Eastern Orthodox became a source of persecution of the cop. The, 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 the Islamists, the Muslims, um, after the conquering of Egypt, and the seventh century became another source of persecution for the cops. So there's really no time where the cops did not have some kind of persecution from, from one or more sources even simultaneously. So, so here as a type of persecution against the cops, the school was closed, the school deteriorated, and soon after its transference to Sidon of Pamphylia, while Rodon was the dean. Nothing, however, can be taken away from the wealth of teaching and scholarship that the school of Alexandria offered to the early church. Pope Cyril IV, the father of reform thought to establish a theological school similar to the famous one, but he died before fulfilling his dream. Pope Cyril V, who respected this idea, opened the school in 1893. It was headed by um, this dean, um, Yusuf Macarius. Pope Cyril VI, immediately after his ordination, opened theological seminary schools. So there's, uh, in, in more recent years, there has been a push to reestablish this school. Very, very recent. And actually, all of the seminaries, Coptic seminaries, that exist around the world, including the one that we have in our diocese in Florida, is technically a branch of this school, right? So even though the school had lost its prominence back then, in the early centuries of Christianity, in more recent times, in the 19th, 20th, and 21st century, there has been a revival in, in studying biblical studies, hymnology, Coptic language, pastoral care, and all of this is taught in Egypt as well as in, in, in its kind of like its branches that are um, being established um, around the world. Who are some of the famous characters? This is actually a good stopping point, so God willing, we'll con continue next time. Does anyone have any questions um, before we conclude? Yes. So the first church was established in Jerusalem, right? Because that was where? Yes, yes. This was a very unique. There, wa there wasn't anything like this. Yeah, so this was very unique. Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day and for allowing us, O Lord, to learn about the history of the church and all of the blood that was shed for the sake of the faith. We ask, O God, that you help us to rekindle the faith of the martyrs in the early church, that we would feel, O Lord, that even though we are hemmed on every side and that we are persecuted, and yet, O God, we remain strong and diligent in our faith. 
We trust, O Lord, that you have established this church and this ark of salvation for the sake of the salvation of the world. And we ask, O Lord, that you protect us and you allow us to be a light to the world, to share, O Lord, your love with everyone. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God, the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the communion, the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.